don't know about you, but that land is far greater than the land we're in. And what a day that's going to be when our Jesus we shall see. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I think about heaven, I think about the goodness of God, His grace, His mercy. And I think about all those loved ones that are going to be there. Amen. How many is excited about that? Like that old song said, I don't want to just go up and see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Mom and Daddy. I want to see them, but I want to see Jesus. I want to see the one who made it possible. Amen. That we might be able to say that we'll be there one day. Amen. If you have your Bible, stand with me this morning for a few moments. Again, we thank you for all that you're doing and uh, thank you, Bishop, for uh, giving us that wonderful information that knows we know that God is good even in the midst of perilous situations and circumstances. Amen. God is still moving in the midst of it all because of your faithfulness unto God. Uh, focus. Look at somebody and say, focus. Focus. Why do you say that? It's just been in my heart recently and lately. Focus. Because if we're trying to figure things out, we're going to miss sometimes what God's doing. We need to focus. Uh, there's a greater, greater purpose for all that we do. And this morning, I want to share with you from John chapter 4 for a few moments. And my hopes and prayer is that as he sang that song, I want to stroll over heaven with you that somebody who's never made those preparations will be able to make those preparations today. Amen. Look at somebody around you and just tell them, I, I, I want you to be there with me. I want you to be there with me. I want you to be there with me. Amen. I want you to know today that you have a hope in the midst of it all. John chapter 4, begin reading at verse number 27. When you have it, say amen. Bless the Lord. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot. She went away into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all the things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And therefore the disciples said to one another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus said unto them, they Notice they were, they were concerned about Jesus not eating, but Jesus said these words. He said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. How many can say today in your relationship with God that you've been sent? Come on, somebody. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was saying, that's my purpose. Say not ye that there are four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For they are white, ready to harvest. And he that reapeth wages, gathering unto fruit, unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and reapeth may rejoice together. 
And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. From that scripture this morning, I want to preach on this thought. What happened to you? What happened to you? Look around at somebody and say, what happened to you? In the midst of it all, dear God, help us to be focused. And that God will speak to our hearts today from his very word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us into this place of gathering. Once again, many, Father, that are here, Lord, that, that we're just so glad to be able to have the privilege to join together today as we've worshipped you. But then, God, we also thank you for those who are watching through social media. Father, I pray and right now by faith that you would bind every foul spirit of the enemy that would try to disrupt your message from getting to the ears and the hearts of those who need to be set free. I bind every foul spirit, God, that would try to disrupt the ministry that you have called us to. I bind every foul spirit that would cause a, 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 a deliberate sabotage of souls being saved for the kingdom of God in our community, in our churches all across America, Father, from the government, Father, to the pulpit, in the, in the highways and the hedges, God, I pray, Lord, that you would, Father, lift up the, the children of God in faith today and help us, Lord, to see the greater purpose of it all, the him that sends us into a world, Father, that is ripe for harvest. God, we praise you today for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. As I was quickened in my spirit upon this message, there's so many times and often times that I've shared it, but God just really began to speak to me in some very, very important measure concerning the importance of what we do. Amen. And how many today are thankful to be in the Lord's army? How many are thankful to be a part of what God is doing in ministry, in this life? Can I go ahead and tell you this life some people think is all about living it up and having fun? And I want to tell you there's good moments in serving God. But let me tell you as a child of God today that God has called us to a greater purpose. It's more than the meat. It's more than the raiment. But today it's to see the harvest reaped for the glory of God. How many would say today, God, the preacher, that's my desire for people to come to know Jesus and to be able to say that they've had a life-changing experience that has delivered them from the portals of hell and entered and caused them to enter into the glory of God. It is my desire that my family and my friends, uh, dear God, our communities uh, and this world as God's is would come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord uh, of their life. And in this particular scripture, we see a measured moment, a measured moment upon which Christ himself is doing the very thing that he desires us to do, and that's take the opportunities as children of God to be a blessing to those around us by being that which God has called us to be in such a way that even our presence in their life gives them some kind of hope that they can reach out to and begin to understand 
understand who Christ is and be set free. I was uh, walking somewhere yesterday. I had to go by and, uh, and, and, and drop something off, and I ran into to a woman and a man there, and we began to have a great conversation. And, and I was just excited about what the Lord was doing, especially after the word we had received in the men's meeting yesterday. It just began to, to remind me of how oftentimes we neglect to take, and we take for granted the things that God does with us in our personal moments of ministry and how many times uh, just who we are being that which God calls us to be opens up doors for us to be able to make a difference. Uh, I'm telling you, if I can't make a difference, I'll go home. Amen? Come on, somebody. If I'm going to stand in God's way, then Lord, bring me to an altar of prayer or move me out of the way. Amen? Because my meat today in life is not just about the ministry God has called me to as a pastor, but it's to live every day of my life with a reflection of who he is, that moments of opportunity would be created for lives to be changed. And we began to talk, and I thought about how, 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 how God, you have just set this moment up, and they begin to share with me. I'm talking about total strangers. Begin to share with me some things in their life, and, and one of them just began to ask me, can you pray for this? this situation in my life. And I think maybe they thought I was just going to drive off in, in that moment. And sometimes we do that. God doesn't lead us into that moment. But but I said, no, I'm going to pray right now. Let's pray. And and they were so excited. We began to pray. And you know what I prayed? I prayed for that situation. But I also prayed that God would reveal himself to the heart of their lives. That God would manifest himself in his grace and his love and his glory. Because I want to tell you this. That God's desire is not that we just get by. But that that we be set free. Come on, somebody. It's not his desire. I'm going somewhere with this. It's not his desire that we learn how to cope with the measures of brokenness, but it's his desire that we be set free. Jesus didn't come to make you feel good about where you're at. He came to set you free from where you're at. Come on, somebody. He didn't come to make you feel good about the brokenness of your life and to help you learn to cope with it. As a matter of fact, Jesus, everywhere he went, went with a purpose in mind of reaping the harvest. And reaping the harvest means setting the mind free, setting the heart free, and delivering someone from the mindset of trying to cope with the place that they're in. I believe God, as he began to speak to my heart and I prayed, I said, God, will you reveal yourself to their heart because I can tell them what God's word says all day long but if the Holy Ghost doesn't manifest it to their heart where they can embrace it it's not going to mean anything I said God I need you to quicken their heart and to take everything that is being said here today and manifest it in revelation in their life because nobody's ever going to be set free just upon the precipice of a thought they've got to be set free upon the precipice of a revelation. Am I by myself today? The revelation is more than knowing Jesus is the Son of God. It's knowing that everything he did in, enables us by the power of God's grace to be set free. There are many that call on Jesus that don't have a revelation of who he is. 
God, give us a revelation again of who Jesus is. Give us a revelation, amen, of his saving power. Give us a revelation of the glorious love and grace of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Give us a revelation again. We got too many people singing about Jesus and they done lost the revelation. We got too many people singing about the glory of God, but they've lost the revelation. Come on, somebody. There's a harvest out there that is ripe and that is ready to be reaped. But until we understand that people need a revelation of Jesus in their heart, we're going to miss the harvest. We're too busy trying to elevate the religious part of ministry when we need to lift up the name of Jesus. Shout it everywhere. We go lift up the name of Jesus. Let the whole world know. Jesus went here in John chapter 4. He went into a place of ministry. Look at somebody say Jesus was a minister. Y'all feel what I feel. If you don't, y'all, y'all just pile on up here. Because I feel something. I feel God's presence. He went into an element of ministry. He didn't go by that well that day just to get a drink of water. He was sent. He was sent. How many today, as I asked you before, are thankful that as children of God you're sent? Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. How many know oftentimes you don't know where God's sending you, you just feel his drawing and his leading? I don't know where you're taking me, Lord, but I know quickened by the Spirit of God, I must needs go where the Lord leads me. And he went to this well, but he didn't go for a drink of water. There was a bigger reason why he was went. He why he went, he was sent. Some of us need to understand today that God in his infinite sovereignty sends us into places that we don't understand why we're going there, but we've been sent. And there's a reason and there's a purpose. There's a life that needs to be set free. There's a soul that needs to be saved. You got your job sometimes because God puts you right there so that somebody's life could be turned upside down. I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying this morning. He bet you ought to praise God. I ended up at the Salvation Army yesterday because God sent me there and he put people in my path that led me there. And then when I got there, God through the man of God had reminded us of the revelation of being sent. I didn't come to Stoneville to build a name for myself. I came because God sent me and he sent me for a purpose and he sent me for a reason. And I'm telling you, you're not on these pews today because you chose to come on your own. God sent you to this church. He He sent you. And he meets with this woman. This woman comes, Samaritan woman going through the motions of everyday life. Broken, hurting. Her condition was disparaging. 
embarrassing. Yet she was there at Jacob's well. A woman who had been married five times and was living with the man she was married to. Today the church world wouldn't let her sing in the choir. The church world wouldn't let her teach Sunday school. The church world wouldn't let this woman serve in the ministry of the church because even if she was saved, they cannot get past what God has already cleansed. The church world would ridicule her if she came to church today in this generation we're living in, she might pull right up next to you and sit on your pew and you can't worship because you're thinking about all them men she'd been with. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is speaking out. It planned this. Amen. And sometimes we, we, we just look at the condition of a person and we have a hard time How many people worshiped in that mountain the God whom they said they knew but turned their nose up at a woman who wound up in so much struggle? I'm sure that the first husband she met, sister, I believe she thought it was gonna be a lifetime experience. Whoo. Y'all ain't mad with me, are you? I'm about to preach. I feel good. She's getting married. Now, just go with me. The Bible don't say this, but just imagine here she is getting married, and she's thinking, I done found the man of my dreams. Oh, he's going to love me. He's going to take care of me. And they tie the knot and then they go on about their business and next thing you know, she comes home and finds out that he ain't as in love with her as he, as he led her to believe. And so rather than doing the right thing, maybe this, this ain't how the Bible says it, but just go with me for a minute. Rather than, than get things right and, and make resolve, amen, he decides to walk out on her and there she is, broken from a relationship that she had looked so much to enjoy. And then she begins to find love in another relationship. All the while, somebody around the corner talking about her. Did you hear about that woman? Well, did you hear about that woman and how that man? See, see, a lot of time people don't realize they'd be better off to keep their mouth shut than they had to be trying to go around talking about something they don't know nothing about. Some people think they know all the answers. But I thank God that he's God. Because this woman had to be dealing with a, a reputation as she moves into the second relationship of marriage. 
And maybe I don't know what happened there. Maybe she got maybe she got uh, disappointed in it. Maybe she walked out on that. We don't know. The Bible don't say. But she went through a cycle of seven husbands. Seven, I mean five, excuse me, five husbands. And then when she realized that marriage wasn't working, she was going to shack up. We're living in a generation of shack up. I'm too scared to get married because every time we get, I, I've had people tell me, preacher, everything's good just like it is. But as soon as I say I do, that's when it's going to fall apart. No, it ain't. Not if you pull that third strand in, in with it. That third strand will not let it be easily broken. You can't go into a marriage with two stranded unbelievers and believe that it's not going to, that it, that it can't be broken apart. Only God can fix it. She was missing the third element and many are missing in that today. They're looking for hope in mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandpas and girlfriends and boyfriends and fiancés that they never get married anymore. I don't know when the last time I've done a wedding but I can tell you oftentimes people have made a decision to live in sin and to shack up before they would do the right thing for whatever reason. God knows the brokenness but don't ride the devil's train God, somebody. Don't ride the devil's train just because it seems easier because it'll leave you like this woman at the well. Reputation proceeding. Hard to fit in. Can't bring yourself to lift your head up because all the guilt is weighing in your life. The guilt of sin, the guilt of shame, the agony the disappointment, the discouragement. And every time you're walking back home, some folks are trying to be cordial, but others getting on Facebook. Amen. It's been going on for years. Oh, some's trying to be cordial and do the right thing, but then there's others who, who can't see the greater picture because they're living upon the righteousness that they have tried to produce. I want to go ahead and say that there is none righteous, no, not one. The disciples that were gathered there that day needed Jesus. They needed his grace. And this woman had to deal with some things in life, but now she's here at a well. She showed up to get water. The Holy Spirit sent Christ to meet with her there. He was sent. And so Jesus, in the early part of this chapter, begins to minister to her. 
And he has given her an encounter with some thing that will change her life forever. There's somebody listening. There's somebody here today that God wants to have an encounter with you. The Lord wants to have an encounter with you. Not an encounter with the preacher. Not an encounter with music. Not an encounter with, with the ministry of the church. That's, that's, that's good things. But he wants to have an encounter with you. The disciples went to buy meat but Jesus stayed behind and he begins to talk with this woman and he asked her for a drink and she said, listen, she said, why in the world would you ask me for a drink? I'm a woman of Samaria and you're a Jew and you're asking me for a drink and Jesus answered and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was asking you for a drink of water, amen, you would have asked me for some water. In other words, you to come to church, amen, to God to draw something from the elements of ministry only to find out Jesus was there and forget about everybody else in the building for a moment and say, get me to the king where he can change my life. I didn't come, amen, to have a seasonal one-hour experience. I came to have a life-changing experience, one that'll change my life forever. How it behooves us to not look at church as something we do on Sunday morning to make somebody feel good for a moment. That's not my prayer. My prayer is that somebody comes to the church. Amen. They're invited or, or, or whatever the case may be. And when they come, it's like this woman who come to the well and we realize that they get a revelation that it's not the preacher preaching or the singer singing or everybody that's here that is the biggest reason why they come. Jesus is here. God is in the midst. His presence I've come down to preach today and let somebody know that his presence in this place is what makes it worth it all. His presence, anybody can gather, but give me a church where Jesus is pulled up to the well and lives are being changed. Give me a church where we can feel the glory of God. Refreshing us and changing our lives. Why is this important? Because you cannot be set free by what you don't have a revelation of. There many have been in church all their life have yet to be set free. Yeah, you mean you mean to tell me, preacher? Yeah, there many that have haven't had a revelation. They had a revelation of the content of church. Some people are serving in position because they want the power. Some people are serving in position because they they like the fame. Some people come to church because they want people to to love them. I done found out coming to church just because you want people to love you ain't enough. It's not enough. Look at somebody and say, I hope you love me. But the greatest love of all, as Whitney Houston used to sing about, was not found in a man. It was found in Jesus.
It was not found in the elements of temporal carnality. The greatest love of all should be happening to people within the church, whether it's in the building or out in the street. And Jesus said, this, uh, this woman said, you, you came to get a drink, but if you knew who I was, if you had a revelation, my goodness, the preacher wouldn't even be able to quit preaching. Woo! The altars would start filling up. When we're out in the street, your workers on the job wouldn't be able to get by your desk or your station without stopping and talking with If they have a revelation of Jesus, they want to know more about him. They didn't come to talk to you and ask you, you know, how can you help them? How can you do that? Tell me how Jesus can help me. Tell me how I can be saved. No, we got people that tell me how I can join the choir. Tell me how I can become a leader. Tell me how I can do these things. Let me go ahead and tell you, we can do that. We can tell you just how you can do that. But if you have not been to the well and gotten a drink of this living water, you won't be the leader God needs you to be. You won't be the, the person God needs you to be in leadership. You need. We got too many people that don't have a revelation of Jesus. I go ahead and say we got preachers that don't have a revelation. Greatest message ever preached is a message of hope. And I don't know about you, but the world and Satan has turned up the heat. Our children, we need to be standing in the gap for them. We need to be living the life before them. They don't need to hear negativity coming from something that's supposed to be living freed by the grace of God. They need to be encouraged. They need to be taught how to pray. They need to be, amen, come on somebody. They need to be poured into, why? Because they need to have a revelation of Jesus Christ that will change your life. This woman came to him and said, Sir, this water, give me this water. This water you're talking about, give it to me. I need, I need some of this water so that I won't thirst again. He said, Woman, go call your husband. Well, you know I don't have one. He said, you know you don't have one. You're right. You're telling the truth. You've had five and now you're living with one. And, and Jesus said this to reveal unto her his sovereignty and who he was. God, she knew that only God could have known that outside of those that knew it in town and those that knew her. And so she begins to get a revelation that this is Christ. And then as, as all this is taking place, her life is being changed. She gets a revelation, Jesus, the Son of God, is, is one thing that happens here. And then the disciples begin to get a revelation about the reason why Jesus was there. They were trying to get something to eat. They bought meat. They were trying to get him to eat. They were, they were trying to be kind, but they missed the whole concept. They saw what Jesus was doing, and they saw who he was talking to, but they could not 
not understand the things that were really happening there. Jesus did, and, and, and more than he was about anything that was happening in that moment, worried about his next bite of food, he was rejoicing in his heart because he knew a woman who came to a well, was broken and bound, and she was headed back to the city, done dropped her water pot. He knew something had happened in her heart today. He knew something had happened in her heart. I believe Jesus said, y'all can eat if you want to. Go ahead and do what you want to do. But my meat is not the meat of this world. It is the meat that my father has called me to. He sent me for such a time as this. This is what I want to see in the church. I want to see God move in such a way that when he touches them, they're going out to tell somebody else, there's a man called Jesus that'll set you free. In your life, he goes on to minister to her. Anna Grace, come on, if you will. She drops her water pot. What's that a revelation of? Thank you, Holy Ghost. Some of you need to drop your weapons. And pick up your armor. Some of you need to, to drop some of your relationships. They're going nowhere. They're not leading anywhere. They're leading you crazy. They're driving you crazy. Come on, somebody. Some of you are trying to, to walk together in relationships that are toxic for you. Jesus come by today and sent me to tell somebody that if you'll reach out and touch him today, if you'll let the Lord have his way in your life today, he's going to give you the strength to turn loose of everything that you've been holding on to. Come on, somebody. What do you mean? You mean I got I got to cut some relationships loose? If they're not leading you into the paths of righteousness and hope, you need to turn them loose. Pray for them, but turn them loose. If they're not leading you into the blessing of God in ministry, you need to turn them loose. If they're making you act crazy and they're making you put your, your faith in carnality, you need to cut them loose. Some of us need to turn TV loose. That's been your water pot. Some of you need to quit listening to some of this secular music that has gotten in your spirit. You don't realize how it's affected you. But it's gotten into you've been holding on to it. All your exes may live in Texas, but thank God Jesus came to save you from all the brokenness of life. Relationships, water pots. When you come to have a revelation of Jesus, your life will change. This woman left her water pot. She went down broken to get water. 
Come on, Brother F, walk with me. Come on, walk with me. So, you ain't got to, let's social distance now. See, just, I just want to do this here for a minute. I ain't trying to embarrass you. Correct me if I'm wrong. But we know this by experience. Brother Freddie has shared his testimony with me, and I'm sure many of you. And when salvation happens, I just want you to testify to this. Is it all right? When God saves you, you receive a new life. You're a new creature. And it's not something you just think may be in your mind. It's something you feel inside your never dying soul. I don't do this often, but I just feel that because he's so sincere and I love his testimony. But, but I was on my way to church this morning. I was talking with my, my youngins and I said, listen, I said, you, you can't just declare salvation because everybody else wants you to do it. It must be because Christ has convicted your heart and touched your life. And when you are saved, you become a new creature. That means that the Holy Spirit moves in now separate from the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but the Spirit of God comes in your heart. God is there. Billy Graham wasn't wrong. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, we'll talk about that another time for those of you who don't have it and want to desire to have that. We'll preach on that another time. But listen, when you're set free, you're free indeed. God frees you from the water pot, from all those things that, 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 that just had you broken all those things you were trusted in that never, never would bring you to a place of change and transition. But then Jesus shows up. He gives you an encounter with him. And he gives you a revelation of who he is. And then all of a sudden, other things begin to, thank you, brother, other things begin to happen. And as those things are happening, all of a sudden, you begin to put your faith and trust not in the man that came and asked you for the water alone, but deeper than that in who he was. He was the son of God. He was the Messiah. He was the one God said would come. He came. He hung on a cross. They buried him, but he rose on the third day. This is Jesus, the son of the living God, the same Jesus that sat by the well, the same Jesus that walked upon the water, the same Jesus that healed blind Barnabas. This is the same Jesus. Stand with me if you will, please. This woman went. Somebody do this with me. Y'all needed your exercise anyway. We got a first responder here. We Listen, so good to have Brother Knight. Brother, I'm sorry I didn't see you earlier and your precious wife. Listen, she ran back in to the city. Note her reputation was still in their mind the same. 
But when she came in, she began to tell them about Jesus. Some people are looking for those kind of perfect people that look like they got it all together and they think that's the only place God can speak from. God was speaking through someone who had been set free but still had a reputation. Thank God that when you have been set free and God begins to speak through your life, other lives can be changed. She went in that city and the people started listening and said, wait, this is that woman. This is that woman that they had all these issues and trouble. What, what's, what's going on? She's speaking like she's got confidence. There's a smile. What happened to you? Somebody around you say, what happened to you? Has anybody ever had, have you ever had the ability? I'm trying to be back up. I'm sorry. Social distance, I'm trying. Have you ever accused somebody of asking you what's the matter with you? Because... I've had it been a many times, but because of what Christ did for you. Somebody said one time at a, at a gas station, they, they said, let me tell you what happened to that preacher. i tell you what happened. He got religion. Brother Brett, I wasn't preaching at the time. He said, let me tell you what happened to Brother Brett. He got religion. And when he said that, like a knife just pierced through me. I said, no. I said, Brother, I didn't get religion. I got saved. I got saved and he changed my life. I got saved because of a revelation of who he is. I had a revelation that no matter how many people may have been disappointed with me in life, he forgives. How many people I've hurt in my life, God forgives. He's a forgiving God. And you may not be able to let some things go, but if you'll spend time with Jesus, he'll teach you how. Because you can't hang around that much grace and, and not begin to flow in that grace. Thank you, Lord. They saw the difference. They saw the difference. And they didn't just sit around and let her talk. They said, take us to this man. We want to meet him. Our churches should be full because people should be, should be reaching out. And they said, take me to this man. Churches everywhere, small churches, big churches everywhere, should be, should be. But have we become so conditioned that we're missing out on what God has asked us to do? Amen. None of this means nothing if we don't do what God tells us to do because it will not nourish this. And it will not equip us for that outside the walls of the church. I want God to do such a work that people are set free in such a way that it's not just in word, their heart, as Brother Freddie said. They have a new life. I heard one fellow say one time, he said, Preacher, he said, even the yellow lines in the middle of the road look brighter. How true that it is. Even the white lines on the road look brighter. How true that it is. Every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. I want to ask you a question. 
today you've come to a spiritual well. You've come <laughs> to a spiritual place. Don't don't rush. I know, I know that it's time in some people's minds to go eat dinner, but let me let me say your meat right now is to hear what God is saying. Don't 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 trade earthly containment in season for a lifetime of being set free. There's some in this building this morning needed to hear this message. There's some of you listening by Facebook, by social media, YouTube. You needed to hear this message. You needed to be reminded that there is someone who cares and there is someone who forgives. And you may have had a life that has been discouraged, that has been a disappointment within yourself. And you may have tried to find happiness in those water pots of life. But Jesus is speaking to your heart right now. And he's saying, ask me and I'll come and give you the water of life and you'll never thirst again. I want to save you. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed, no one looking around. He wants you to have a new life experience through him. And this is done by literally confessing with your mouth and believing that the Lord Jesus Christ is who he said he is and that God has raised him from the dead and being sorry for the life of sin that you've lived and asking the Lord to forgive you and come sincerely and change your heart. If this is you this morning, the Word of God declares that if we'll be ashamed of our Father, He'll be ashamed of us. If we'll be ashamed of Christ, He'll be ashamed of us. And if Christ has enough love and grace for you to go to a cross and be humiliated and beaten and, and hurt, and have a crown of thorns put on his head and be spit upon and mocked till he was unrecognizable. How much more can we make a public profession of faith and say, I've traveled far away from God. Now I'm coming home. And I'm not ashamed of all he's done for me if there's anyone here right now that you need to know Jesus as your Savior, you don't need to leave this building until you've done that. Will you step out from where you're at? If you have to get somebody to come with you, do that. But don't trade what's outside for what God's doing right now. He wants to give you a new life. Will you come? Kneel at this altar as a profession of faith before God and pray. And we'll be meeting here to pray with you. Is there anyone? Is there anyone that will take courage right now? Say, God, I need peace with you. I need to know, Lord, that I'm right with you. My heart is right with you. If that's you today, will you make your way to this altar? Kneel before. We'll keep social distance if you're worried about that. But we, we're just asking you to make that profession of faith today. And come and pray. The enemy wants you to wind up in hell, but as Brother Roy sang a while ago, the Lord wants to stroll over heaven with you. 
The enemy wants to destroy your life. But Brother Roy sang it a while ago. There's people that love you. There's people in this building right now, including me, we love you, but most of all, Jesus does. And the greatest thing you could ever do is respond to the Holy Spirit as He's quickening your heart right now. Don't be ashamed. Well, what if, what if, what if somebody sees me, preacher? What if, what if, what if? The only one that should worry about is that the Lord sees you. He sees you. He loves you. And He cares. Go ahead, Holy Spirit of God. The Bible said He will not always strive with man. You may not have another moment. You may not have another day. You may not have another opportunity. Maybe today you've had that revelation and the enemy is doing everything you can. One has come. Will there be others? Will there be others? Just for a moment. Will there be others? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I need the, the board. I need the council. I need some prayer members. I need you all to come. Please come. The Lord is moving. Every head bowed for a moment. Every eye closed. No one looking around. Will there be any others? Maybe, maybe you don't need salvation personally. Maybe, maybe you need. Bishop, come. Brother Knight, if you want to come help pray, can you come help? Will there be any others? That you'll take that step of faith right now. Take that step of faith and come and say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you right now. Father, I want you to change these that are coming. Lord, do a work in their heart right now and in their life right now as you did with the woman at the well. Oh, dear, blessed Jesus, moving God upon the hearts of all these today. Father, you would accomplish, accomplish a life-changing moment right now. Yes, yes, yes.